Hi, and welcome to my podcast. This is season five, episode 31. And today I'm here with an old teacher called Simon Page. And I'm going to interview him. I just want him to introduce himself to you all. And then I'm going to get straight into the questions. Hi, Simon. Hello, Adam. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, Simon Page. Uh, We know each other, don't we, from many years ago. I taught you 20 years ago at Rawlins College. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But you've sort of we're back in touch because of the fact that you've seen me in various plays in Loughborough, doing little bits of amateur dramatics, showing off I on have. stage. Um, but yes, I've been teaching at Rawlins uh, Academy, is it now? Is it was a community college when you were there uh, for thirty years now? I started in nineteen ninety two. Now two thousand and twenty two. Um, so yes, I live. I live. I don't live in the Loughborough area though. I live down in Blaby. And uh, I've got two sons who have both gone to university and both left home, uh, although one of them is back for the time being, which is a, a, a situation many parents will be familiar with. Um, uh, but he's more than welcome. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that's that's me. Rightio. Um, I'll get into your first question then. What got you into teaching and how long have you been doing it for? Right, well, that's, that's an easy one. I, when I went, I went to university, I grew up in Luton in Bedfordshire and uh, I went to sixth form college and did sort of history and English and failed maths, discovered that I'm not a mathematician mm-hmm. and then I went to university and I think, I think the, the thinking at the time was that I just wanted to do something at university that I would, I would enjoy and I was a, a fan of film and TV and I saw that there weren't many then but there were some courses in film and television there are many many of them now media studies courses and film and television courses there's hundreds and hundreds of them but in those days there weren't many and I applied to one in Canterbury and got on it and had a really good time and at that point probably thought I would want to get into the media in some way become a filmmaker or something like that Um, but that I don't know whether I really ever had the talent or the real ambition to do that Um, and at one point during my time in Canterbury quite a lot of the people that I knew were working in the summer teaching English to foreign students who who would come over for three weeks or so to what was a lovely town, not far from the continent, to do a three-week course in English uh, in the mornings and then go to visit London and go to visit various tourist attractions and stuff like that. And the job was a job that lots and lots of people at college were doing and didn't need specific qualifications for at the time. You probably would now. But it was my first experience of doing teaching, was teaching students from Italy and Denmark and Finland and Spain and all over, and really enjoying it. Um, And uh, subsequent to that, I got some work doing a bit of football coaching. I did some coaching in America. Uh, I did various different things for a couple of years. After my degree, I didn't really um, go into a full-time job at all. I did lots and lots of different things. Um, And um, which was a luxury, I think, that people had in those days a bit more. I think nowadays, you know, people my my son's generation, you know, you've 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 developed such substantial debts over your time on a degree course that there's a pressure to get into working on a proper job as soon as you possibly can. Whereas I think in my day you could you could sort of wander around and smell the flowers a little bit more and enjoy yourself yeah. and then and then think about what you wanted to do. And it's, it was a luxury, I think, that we had at the time that I don't think we realised quite how lucky we were our generation. Um, but I did some of that and then got to a point where I thought, well, I really ought to you know, decide what I really want to do now. Uh, and I decided, well, I, enjoy, I enjoyed the teaching. I really enjoyed doing what was called TEFL, teaching English as a foreign language. But I don't really want to do TEFL as a job. 
uh, I want to teach, but actually, why don't, why don't I see if I can teach the media type stuff that I've always been into? Why don't I look to see if I can teach film and media and things like that? And there was only one place in the country where you could learn to train to teach. Well, I think there might have been two, um, which I, but I only identified one of them, and it was in Leicester. Ah. So that's how I came to Leicester, to do, ah, right. to do a PGCE, Postgraduate Certificate in Education, in 1991, it must have been something like 1991, um, to learn how to teach English as well, because you couldn't just learn how to teach media, but, but with an idea that I would get a job teaching media. Um, and having done that course, uh, I was really lucky. Initially, I didn't know where I was going to end up and what, where I was going to live. I didn't necessarily think I would live in, in Leicestershire, necessarily. But a job came up at Rawlins in Quorn which was a 14 to 18 school at the time, as you remember. I do. So it wasn't, it wasn't sort of, with, you didn't have the little ones, and I tend to prefer working with the slightly older students. Um, and it was teaching just GCSE and just A-level, media and wonderful course communication studies. Uh, and later on, I got to teach people like you on the, in the Stride yeah. course, where, where we were working with you know, really lovely post-16 students uh, and got very settled doing that, and I've been there ever since. You have. I've been there ever since. I've been, I've been part-time. Since my kids were younger, I've been part-time. And one of my ways of kind of managing to survive, really, has been you know, being only working three or four days a week, actually, in school. Um, and that's, that's been good. Um, and I've been, you know, it's been, you know, initially, it was said I'd got time to, to spend picking up my kids from school and, and, you know, and looking after them. Because my wife, Sally, had a job that meant she wasn't going to be able to be part-time. And it was no. long hours. Um, but I've carried on doing that. Um, you have, and uh, and uh, you know, so I'm still there um, after thirty years. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Second question: How has Rawlings changed over the last few years, and have you seen a big change in it? I have. Well, yes. As I, as I say, you know, one of the key changes was when it it moved from being a fourteen to eighteen school, where Humphrey Perkins was one of the high schools, wasn't it? And Woodbrook Vale was was another, and students would come from one or two other places as well to us in year 10 and our first year was year 10 and then we'd have year 11 and then you know half of the students would stay into year 12 and year 13 probably as well and do a levels so the biggest change has been having the younger ones uh, yeah. in the school which has made it feel very different it's probably, it probably was the right thing to do but it's um it's it's changed the nature of the place and it, it inevitably means we feel less of a college now and more of a school which you know, it's it swings and roundabouts. We, you know, I think things have been lost by doing that, as well as as well as been gained. You know, um, and and what's happened, I think, generally in schools, um, as there's been a push in lots of directions towards, well, push towards um, having uniform back. So, uh, you know, whereas when you were at Rawlins, nobody was wearing uniform. No, there weren't. Not an official uniform anyway. Everyone was just wearing casual clothes. Now, if you were to go into the school, you'd be amazed at how everyone's walking around with blazers and ties and this sort of stuff. Um, and actually, I suppose one of the key changes is is that if I look back at when you were in Strath, yeah. some of the stuff we were doing then that I really enjoyed was you would come you would come to us once a week, and we would just I could just decide well we're going to make a film, and we don't have we don't have to rush. We can take our time. Yeah, we can enjoy ourselves. We can learn some skills. We can go out and about very easily. We'd go off into the village if we wanted to film in the village, couldn't we? Mm. We could we could um, spend some time learning how to edit. Uh, presumably we used... Did we use little laptops when you were editing? Or did we have... I can't remember. When your day, it might have been a 
one little editing machine by I the think Ledger Theatre. I think well, oh, video, it was. It videotape was... job. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, so, so actually, what that wouldn't work quite like that now. Nowadays, it would be right. So, what course are they doing? What qualifications are they going to get out of that? Um, uh, what ticks, what boxes can we tick about it? And you know, that's fine up to a point, but it does mean, in a, to a certain extent, some of the fun has gone <laughs> oh, right. a little bit. Uh, and some of the opportunity to to just just do what we think is is um, enjoyable and, and and useful and meaningful and and fun. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Your third question: What got you into acting? Right. Well, that um, that's really a teacher at the at the school, a good friend of mine, uh, Mrs. Walters. Um, she was. She's been in various uh, theatre societies in Loughborough for a long time. Um, she's in Esna and she's been in the Festival Players, on the committee in Festival Players. And she was directing, I don't know whether you saw One Man, Two Governors. I did see that. Yeah, yeah. so she was directing that. Uh-huh. And that was my first one. Um, she couldn't cast one of the characters. They were struggling to cast one of the characters. And she just decided, she thought, she thought, I think Simon could play this part. And I'd never really done anything like that particularly before. We did do a few productions at school years ago where students and staff would be in them, uh, and I was in one then. Um, and basically, she'd seen me. Uh, do you remember the comic relief days we used to have? Yes. We used to do Blind Date. Yes. Remember Blind Date? I've never forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> so we would do, wouldn't we, silly, silly skits, wouldn't we? I'd play a character pretending to be, I don't know what, some silly person. And she would often be one, and we'd, we'd, we'd have somebody pretending to be Scylla Black, which would have been, <laughs> yeah. in your day, that might have been a teacher called Mrs. Slight. I right. Think. I think Mrs. Slight used to pretend to be Scylla. And then we'd, we'd all have sort of characters, and we'd pretend to sort of say, you know, I'm, I'm so and so, where you're you from, and, the, you know, what, what, you know exactly, exactly what Blind Date used to be all those years ago. And she'd seen me do that, and she knew that I liked showing off. Um, and so she said, I think you could do this. And, and I, and I undenied over it and I thought, actually, I'll give that a go. And I loved it, you know, absolutely loved it. And it was a great show, wasn't it? One Man, Two Governments. Yeah. It was an absolutely terrific show. I had a relatively small part on it, but I really enjoyed meeting the people that I met and I really enjoyed the whole process. And I loved being directed by, by her. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of a little bit of a gap passed, but I think the next one I did was probably Hello, Hello, which is one of your favourites. Yes. Um, and I've ended up, I've done sort of four or five now, maybe five or six, um, and, uh, you know, uh, really love it. And so, so really, it's thanks to Mrs. Walters, I wouldn't have done it. If she hadn't have bullied me and said, look, you can do this, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done it. So I'm very grateful to her, because uh, as, as often is the case, you know, unless I'm pushed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you enjoy about it? Uh... I think I enjoy I enjoy the anything I always enjoy anything that is about a group of people uh, coming together to try and achieve something. You know, it, it often in a, over a sort of a relatively shortish period of time. Um, you know, which means collaborating and working together and actually starting off as a as a group of individuals at the outset. You know, with your different parts and your different roles and having a read through at the start. And then actually the way in which you become a team and a group who are all pulling together and rooting for each other and supporting each other um, for a very definite end, which is a performance at the end, that you can then go, right, that was great, we really enjoyed that. Uh, the whole process of, of, 
of, of doing that is, is wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. And the more I do it, the more I enjoy the rehearsal process. Um, uh, I still find the performing bit quite nerve-wracking, but ultimately really, really enjoyable. Um, and I love the intensity of, of, of working, you know, and, and enjoying being with people in that kind of um, endeavour, really. It's lovely, absolutely lovely. Uh, what has been your favourite role to act in while you're doing it? Have you got, out of all the ones yes. you've done, have you got a favourite one? It probably would still, it, I've, I really, and I, it probably would still be, and I, anyone who's, who, who knows me from Festival Players wouldn't be surprised about this, is we did It's a Wonderful Life, which I know you didn't get to see. I didn't get you. to see you in that one, um, no. No, It's a Wonderful Life is, a, is, a, is a, an adaptation of a film from 1946, a Jimmy Stewart classic Christmas film, which I'm sure you've seen. I've seen uh, that, yes. Where And it's one of my favourite films. And I used to teach it. I used to teach, uh, on the old A-level film studies course, I used to teach It's a Wonderful Life and compare and contrast it with The Truman Show. Um, which And there's lots of things that they've got in common and ways in which they're interestingly different. Um, and so I really know the film really well and I really love the film. Um, and so when the chance to do it as a play come up, I thought, oh, this is fantastic. I've got to be in it. And I got the chance to play Clarence, the, the, the angel, and, and various other parts as well. And it was just beautiful. And doing it at Christmas as a radio star play in the Victoria Room upstairs at the town hall. I've been up there. a lovely, lovely space. It's just really special, actually. Um, and, um, you know, I think it probably always will be my favourite. It was, it was genuinely, genuinely, absolutely wonderful. And has yeah. there been a hard role that you've played, one that you thought you couldn't do it, but you did? Well, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, well, the biggest part I've played was, was in Little Voice. I don't know whether you can Another one that I didn't get to no, see. No, was it really? <laughs> yes. That was, which was last February. It was just, no, it wasn't last February. It was the February before. It was just before the first lockdown. It was. It was February uh, of 2020. And I, um, that's, I, know, I knew that, again, that had been a film first. And I knew the film and I knew that the part, the, uh, the, main, the main male part, one of the two or three male parts in it was called um, Ray Say and they've been played by Michael Caine in the film and it's quite a big part, oh. quite a demanding part and I'd never done anything that big before and, I, and I, uh, one or two people said why don't you go for that and I thought oh, I, don't, I don't know and I didn't feel confident about doing it at all. And then some key people sort of said to me no, no I think you're ready for it, you, you should challenge yourself and do it. Uh, and I was very nervous about doing it, but I acted alongside my friend Vix, who played uh, the, the female character, the female lead in it, um, and she really, really helped me. Yeah. So, so did other people really help me. My sons really helped me, actually, when I was trying to learn the lines, because I'd never had to learn that many lines before. Ah. And so they used to go out on walks with me and not just listen to me and, and feed me the lines, but actually give me some, some guidance, both of them. They were very, very good on how, how they thought I should be reading it. Um, and I absolutely loved doing it. And it was, but it was a challenge. I was very anxious about doing it. And it was going around my head all the time. You know, I was constantly got the lines going around my head. You know, you'd be in the shower and you'd be sort of saying the lines to each other and going for a walk <laughs> and in the car and constantly going through the lines and thinking about it. Um, but I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Ah, mm. uh, your fourth question. What would you say has been your biggest challenge in life and why? <laughs> yeah, I saw you were going to ask me that question. Yes, you did. And I haven't come up with an answer for it, even though you showed me it <laughs> 10 minutes ago. That's a really difficult question. Um, yeah, biggest challenge in life. Um, 
Yeah, I think one of, I mean, there have been various challenges, and, I, and I've been fortunate. I think the first thing to say is I've, I've been fortunate that I haven't met and faced, as, at this time in my life, uh, up to now, the kind of difficult challenges that many people face. You know, I've, yeah. I've been really lucky, I think, in lots of ways to, to have a life where, you know, in terms of, you know, touch wood, my health and my, the health of those people around me that I love, you know, I, you know um, um, I've been really lucky. My parents are all still alive. I say all, there's only two of them. Um, but so, so are my wife's parents still alive, you know, uh, and hopefully will be for some time to come. So I haven't even had to challenge, meet those sorts of challenges that people meet, you know, uh, and, you know, and are likely to have done by my age in lots of cases. Um, you know, my son's a healthy touch wood. Um, so really, you know, there they are challenges about about work, I suppose. In many ways, that's the thing that probably I, I get most anxious about is is the job, even though, you know, I've been doing it for 30 years. Uh, I still find that quite a challenge. I suppose um, I suppose one of the things I've kind of grown up with is, is a, the challenge of dealing with when when it when I feel like I should be being responsible for things and when it's not really my job. I think there are certain people in life who are good at taking on responsibility and, yeah. and wear it very easily. There are others who are very good at avoiding responsibility and uh, and are good at sort of letting it slide towards other people. Uh. There are others, like me, I think, who tend to sort of pick it up um, without necessarily realising and and then and then getting to a situation where they find themselves struggling to deal with it and going right do I do I want this responsibility that I happen to have picked up or not um, and then that becomes a dilemma you know whether to say yes I'm happy to do this and take it on or no uh, I, I don't really want to, to deal with this and finding a way of saying uh, you know I'd rather not um, I know that sounds very general but I think it's, a, it's something I'm aware that I've I've dealt with over the years and ah. maybe something that other people are familiar with um, it's certainly reson- one of the reasons why It's a Wonderful Life resonates with me. Right. that's kind of what It's a Wonderful Life's all about. Ah. Uh, you know, and so, you know, far be it from me to, to think of myself as George Bailey, in, you know, in It's a Wonderful Life, but, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, what do you see for the future in your teaching, in your theatre and performances? Um, well, I... In my teaching, one of the things I'm really, really enjoying is working with A-level students who are doing an extended project, um, which means I'm working with some really lovely, bright, ambitious, very, very um, academic students doing projects on all sorts of different things. They're not just media things. There'll be people doing things on science topics and maths topics right. and stuff like that, and they have to do their own research. And my job is to try and just help support and do that. But because, yeah. because they're all doing these really interesting, quite challenging different things, I'm learning absolutely loads from it as well. Oh. So it's lovely. So I, I've got into that only relatively recently, in the last few years, and have loved it and, cons- and determined that I make a good job of doing it and that I carry on doing it into the future and that maybe even when you know if I get to a point where I don't teach quite as much as even the three days that I do now I would be very keen to carry on doing some of that if I can you know if I sort of partly retired in a few years time because I'm coming up towards that time now not quite yet but in the next four or five years um and theatre wise more of the same really I don't know whether I would ever want to do anything that involves singing no, uh, at the festival players we don't do singing, uh, and I'm quite happy not to really, or dancing for that matter. 
Uh, although my wife and I, Sally and I, have, have started doing salsa dancing recently, <laughs> which has been great. We absolutely love it. And, which, and it's really nice to do something together, uh, to have a hobby that we do together. I've missed quite a lot of it because I was doing rehearsals for, for um, uh, Blackadder recently, so I missed the Monday nights we were doing. So she's now gone ahead. She's in the intermediate group. <laughs> oh, and right. when I've come back, I'm back with the beginners. I've got to catch her up. What? Otherwise, I'm not going to get to dance with her anymore. Um, but it's, but I'd, I'd love to get good enough at that so that we can go they occasionally have these kind of social dance evenings oh yeah um, where and it would be nice to go along and be able to just get on the dance floor and, and actually do some some proper salsa dancing and join in with everybody else uh, you know it's been it's been real fun uh, and it you know and, and a challenge because I, I you know I, I, I hopeless initially and and it's that business of trying to pat yourself on the head and rub your tummy at the same time and, and it's it's it's, uh, it's quite confusing yeah um, but yeah that that would be something for me to try and see as a challenge over the next few years get get good at that and one last thing what yeah. have you found good now we're back to normal now everything's started back up oh getting back to acting again yeah getting back to being the theatre you know that was our first our first production was actually at Town Hall in before Christmas and that was wonderful performing in front of an audience again when we did uh, Victorian Voices getting to go to gigs again I've been to a few gigs uh, I know you have. Yeah, I've been to uh, a couple. You've been to see The Stranglers, haven't you? I what have. else have you seen? Quite Recent. a few. Have you? Have you? Yeah. Oh. Quite a few. You get out and about, didn't you? I do. Getting to go to football again, I know you've been to City. Yeah. I've been to see a few Luton games. I'm a Luton fan. Ah. So I went to Forest to see them, and I went to Derby to see them, and I'm going to Coventry next week. Uh, so that's been great, getting back to doing that again. And gig-wise, I've seen, I've seen a band called The Black Pumas. I'm going to see... Della Soul in a couple of weeks. I've got quite a lot. I've got Paul Weller coming up in in May, which I've, I haven't seen Paul Weller in in, in, a, in concerts since the eighties. So that's wonderful. Uh, so that's been the nice thing. That's what I really missed. I think just before lockdown, I went to see a folk trio, a Scottish folk trio called Salt House at the Guildhall in Leicester, ah. which is a wonderful venue just next to the cathedral. It was beautiful, and it was it was cold. <laughs> But it was just a beautiful night, and it was the it was pretty pretty much the night before the the first lockdown. Right. You know, during the whole of the lockdown, I used to keep thinking back to what a, what a beautiful, lovely night it was. And I went on my own; nobody wanted to go with me. But I went <laughs> on my own and just really, really enjoyed it. And I just thought, I can't wait to do that kind of thing again. Um, and it has been great. Um, yeah, I'm going to see the Unthanks, which is a folk uh, group in in. Birmingham coming up fairly soon so yeah that that's that's what it's all about isn't it getting the chance to go and do things like that yeah yeah mm. right I just want to thank you for coming on you're welcome taking your time out to come all this way to see me and come on my no, podcast it's a pleasure it's a delight to, to do it Adam and really uh, I hope to see you soon yes thank you Adam <laughs>